You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill. Norcom, your audio-visual information technology solutions provider. Nor-com.com. GTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. And by MSA Design. Design, create, innovate. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by CBTS. Consult, build, transform, support. CBTS.com. Kelsey Chevrolet. From our family to yours. KelseyChev.com. RNL Carriers. Your domestic LTL and offshore shipping provider. RLC com backslash offshore today and by united dairy farmers udf now makes donuts in our new family bakery from our own recipes the reds are on the radio now the reds hot stove league on 700 wlw the home of the reds welcome into the reds hot stove league with the cowboy jeff brantley i'm tommy thrall and the reds hot stove league is always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And we come to you today from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Off day today for the Red Legs, but uh, yesterday split squad, half the team in Scottsdale playing the Diamondbacks. The other half was here doing the game that we called playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. That one didn't go so well. The Reds ended up falling 10-2 to in that one. But we did see some exciting things. We saw Luis Castillo pitch. He looked brilliant through the first three innings. His fourth inning wasn't so great. Mike Moustakis hit an opposite field home run in his first at bat. That was exciting, especially given that it was on a two-strike pitch. And we saw Nick Lodolo pitch. So a lot to talk about here to uh, open up the hot stove league. And Cowboy, let's start with the pitching. Luis Castillo looked awfully good. Did you see anything alarming in his final inning, that, that fourth inning when he gave up the four runs? No, I just think that, and, and we saw this last year, and it has to do with fastball location. I, I realized that Castillo relies on the the change in velocity between the changeup and his fastball. There is no doubt that his swing and miss ability on a changeup is elite, maybe as good as anyone else in the game, even if they're throwing a slider. The, the key to me is being able to command that fastball better. That, I think that's that's how you you continue to get better. And we saw some very good breaking balls today. That's something that is a huge step in the right direction. That was one of the things that I thought that if there was a struggle for Luis Castillo, it was with that breaking ball last year. Uh, everything's not going to come together on one day. But I, I still believe that when he went out for the fourth inning, it was the mindset of throwing as many fastballs as possible, regardless of the circumstances and just to try to get your arms stretched out as much as possible. And it, it didn't work out, but I, I'm not, I just don't worry about Luis Castillo. I, that, that doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah, we, we saw him all spring last year. Didn't look great really at all in the spring. And then once the season started, he was a different guy, and he was extremely dominant. So, again, you can't make too much out of these outings. But things are starting to ramp up, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Nick Lodolo threw the ball today, and uh, I overall threw the ball well. Made one mistake to Kevin Crone, who's a power hitter. He made him pay. There was an error committed. Well, it was a hit. It was ruled a hit, but it should have been, been an error. error. Yeah, certainly. And uh, overall, it he looked pretty poised out there on the mound, towing a big league mound for the first time. I think any time that you see a 
a young pitcher that has great physical talent, uh, great fastball, changeup, breaking ball. Those are the things that, that you look at in the minor leagues. What, what makes you a big leaguer is your ability to overcome adversity because you are going to fail up here. It, it is just part of the process. And that's one of the things that I look for with young pitchers. If something starts to go awry, do you get out of your norm and start to try to throw the ball as hard as you can, make your breaking ball better than it's ever been? Or do you just trust your stuff and you, you just say to yourself, well, he got lucky or I made a bad pitch. I just keep pitching. Today, Nick Lodolo, and this is the first time that he has ever been in a big league, in a spring training period. And he's on the mound, and he gave up the two-run home run, and it was, a, it was a significant home run. But yet he came right back and continued to pitch and make pitches, struck out two of the last three batters. Those are the things that, that I look at, and, and I thought he showed great poise. I didn't think he got rattled, and... Boy, that's a, in, in my mind, that's a major plus for Nick Lodeau. A lot to like about that. How about Mike Moustakis? I mean, this is a guy that we saw him do a few things in this game. Uh, he hit the home run, an opposite field shot, down to the count, pretty good at bat, and, and I've liked what we've seen out of him at the plate. I mean, and it's everything we expected, which is what you're hoping for, but you never know what you're going to get in spring training. But it seems like offensively, Everything we thought he would be, he has been. And then in the field, he started a double play. We saw his footwork on a potential double play. It was a slow developing, so there was really no chance for the, the double play. But we saw his footwork around the bag. Everything seems to look fine with him as far as the bat and his defense at second base. Yeah, when I'm, when I'm watching a player of the magnitude of Mike Moustakis, and I, I think Nick Castellanos, and, and really – Shogo Akiyama would be included in this. I don't, I don't really put so much stock in the spring training environment because for guys that have been around, and Shogo probably doesn't fit this bill, but for the guys that have been around for a long time, and Castellanos and Moustakas are, are definitely guys that have had a lot of spring trainings. And there's something about it where it becomes – I don't want to say monotonous, but you, you've just done it a lot. You know that spring training, there's certain things that you have to get right. It's not really about hitting home runs or batting 500 or being the best player on the team. It's about getting yourself ready. And I think those are the kinds of guys that you don't worry about so much because they're able to turn it up. When, when the bell sounds, uh, they have that internal – clock and internal drive that when the bell rings on day one <laughs> they'll be there we've seen a lot of different guys I think that have impressed us both this camp uh, Mark Payton uh, yesterday threw out a guy at the plate and he's looked awfully good in the outfield I know he's opened some eyes a rule five pick from Oakland uh, Alfredo Rodriguez I don't think has been talked about enough because this is a guy that is hitting the ball well in fact he hit another home run uh, over in Scottsdale as part of the split squad uh, yesterday, uh, he's a guy that can help you. There's some guys on this team that, that kind of give you a little more confidence as far as the organizational depth goes, as far as big league guys are concerned. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at Garcia and how much he's done in spring training and 
really bursting onto the scene. The 21-year-old kid, he's not, he's not going to be in the big leagues right now, but Rodriguez is one of those guys that we were given a, we were given a scouting report that he couldn't hit or was not going to hit, but yet in spring training, it seems like he's really locked it in a lot more and, and we're seeing the talent kind of rise up. I think he's starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and has a chance to, to make the big league ball club. I, I just, I'm, I'm impressed not only with the fact that he can play multiple positions, but I like his at-bats. And, and those are things that the staff has to look at and because those are guys that, you know, even if he doesn't make the club right out of spring training, he's a guy that you know you can count on if somebody gets injured or if you have to have a guy at shortstop. Now, Mark Payton's the type of guy that if he makes the team, he can stay. If he doesn't, then he's got to be offered back to Oakland. But certainly some organizational depth of big league-ready guys, and we've seen that on display in big league camp, which is certainly reassuring. The Reds Community Fund Split the Pot is back with its biggest jackpot ever, a minimum of $100,000. That means one lucky fan wins at least $50,000. Buy tickets now at reds5050.com. The rolling jackpot continues until the end of the game on opening day. Remember, you must be 18 or older and in Ohio to purchase. Still a lot coming up. Trevor Bauer will join us on the show. We'll talk catchers a little bit later on and plenty more to get to. This is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. In celebration of the 100th anniversary of the founding of the Negro Leagues, the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is proud to showcase the Shades of Greatness exhibit presented by Dinsmore now through April 17th. This critically acclaimed exhibition features 35 original works of art produced by 28 diverse professional artists from across the country. For details, visit redsmuseum.org. Continuing our conversation with the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. And uh, one thing we haven't talked much about is the the catchers. And it certainly would appear that Tucker Barnhart, Kurt Casale will be the two regular catchers. David Bell not really giving us any indication on who's going to get the lion's share of the playing time, although it would stand to reason, given that Tucker Barnhart sitting exclusively left-handed this year. He would be in there mostly against right-handers. We certainly see more right-handers than left-handers. But, Cowboy, neither one of them have really hit all that well. Is that concerning to you at this point? Does that even bother you in spring training when, when your catchers aren't necessarily hitting all that well? I think it probably would if they didn't have a, a little bit of history behind them. And I think that when you look at Tucker Barnhart and Kirk Casale, I, th I think you realize what you're going to have. I, I think they're, the back of their baseball cards will tell you what they're going to give you throughout the season. Now, you have to remember that these guys come to camp and, and they're doing double, triple duty. Uh, they've, got to, they've got to find their own individual times to hit in the cage. Uh, they're catching every single pitcher, not only the big league staff, but the, some of the minor league guys. Uh, they're working on all the things that catchers work on as far as throwing the ball to second base, blocking the plate, uh, blocking balls at the plate. There, there's much more physicality involved in what catchers do in spring training than probably any other position. And I think that that takes a toll on your legs at the beginning of camp, 
So I don't worry so much about it in the first two weeks. I think that as we go along in camp, the swings are going to come better. I think their legs are going to be stronger, and I think they get to concentrate more on swinging the bat rather than just on the pitchers that are on the mound. How do you feel about Tucker now going exclusively left-handed? Well, I, I think if you're if you're definitely going with a strict platoon, and I have a pretty good idea that's what the Reds are going to do, then I would think that if you're never really going to hit right-handed or you're limited to hit right-handed as, as Tucker was last year, then why would you not try to prefer, perfect your left-handed swing? Because that's the swing you're going to use all the time. It would make sense to me that you spend all of your time working on trying to create the best swing possible from the left side if you're not going to hit right-handed. It certainly seems to make sense. You're talking earlier about guys as they work their way through spring training, the workload on catchers. Are you able to kind of refresh yourself at any point during spring training? I mean, did you feel as a catcher that you can get back to 100% by opening day and have your legs really under you? Because you're still... You're still catching bullpens. You're still working a little bit more than you would during the regular season. So how do you how do you kind of regain that form? I, I think that just comes with with time. I think the the initial workouts are so intense that that they put an additional additional amount of pressure on your knees, your quads, your hips, and, and just your overall body. You know, you're like we were talking about. You're you're working in spike spikes now. You're not in tennis shoes or or just walking around in, in casual, com comfortable shoes, you're working in spikes. So it takes a, a toll on you. I think as you as you move along, the, the workload and, and all of the drills start to be kind of in the background. And you're more worried about calling pitches and making sure that your pitchers are, are on point with you and also making sure that you're swinging the bat right. So as, as we move to the second half of spring training, there'll be more emphasis for these both of these catchers on their swings and swinging the bat and on catching in a ball game rather than blocking pitches and drills for an hour and beating their bodies up. We're talking about catchers. Are there other concerns? Is there anything that has been alarming to you so far this spring training? I, it seems like usually there's something that comes up. Maybe you're a little concerned. It's a question mark going into opening day. I, I just... I just haven't seen a lot of that so far this spring. Is there something that that has that stood out to you that you think, well, that's something that, that needs to get figured out by opening day besides just the remaining positions to get filled out? Well, I, I think we we were well aware of the Senzel and Suarez issue coming into camp, so that, that would not be a surprise. Uh, at this point, I, I do have some concern that Freddie Galvis has not played shortstop. Right. Uh, now, do I think that that's going to be a major issue? No, I don't, as long as he's healthy. I, I think he could wake up and catch the ball in his sleep and, and not have any issue with it as long as he's healthy. The thing that I've really been surprised with is the fact that Kyle Farmer's played great shortstop, and he's done very well. It concerns me with a little bit of issue with Josh Van Meter because I thought he was swinging about as good a bat as we've seen him, and he's one of those guys that would fill one of those bench roles for this ball club as long as he's healthy. And if if he doesn't get healthy, then that becomes a concern. Although, when it was initially reported, it sounded like it wasn't going to be anything major. Of course, we'll know more about that in the next few days. But overall, there just aren't a lot of huge concerns. You figure if Sinzel and or Suarez aren't ready to go by opening day, 
they will be ready at some point. Right. You've and got some, and you've got some insurance there. I, I think that that was part of the the building process during the offseason, the signing of of additional major league ready players. I, I think that that helps this ball club from a depth standpoint. And to be honest with you, Tommy, and, and I think you would agree with me, we've had some guys here in camp that have been they've been surprises. I, I don't know that we expected to see. Mark Payton played the way that he has. I don't think that we expected Alfredo Rodriguez to play the way he has. Christian Colon. I mean, there's been some guys that, that have stepped up their game a little bit, and that can only make you feel good as the season goes along because nobody goes through a whole year without injuries. No, of course not. What about pitching depth? Do you, do you, you know, we, we kind of felt like when all of this came into to play this season, when, when the whole season came together, we thought, well, boy, there's not just guys at the big league level, but pitching down to the minor league level should be something where if you need to call on a couple of guys during the regular season, have you seen that play out kind of the way we maybe anticipated? I, I think that you have some coverage as far as your bullpen guys are concerned. If if something happened to your number one guy, let's say your closer, uh, if something happened to Rysel Iglesias, I think you've got a two-headed monster in Lorenzen and Garrett that could cover that. And, and the guys that are in your bullpen now could probably slot back to the seventh and eighth innings. I, I think the bullpen is is comfortable for me uh, from a starting rotation standpoint I want the five we got penciled in that, no that's just how I feel about it I, if if one of those guys goes down uh, that worries me because yeah. those guys are what this club is built on and you look at guys that would be options Jose de Leon would be one of those options we haven't seen him pitch much he had a little sickness Tyler Malley hasn't been outstanding this spring. Uh, Lucas Sims has been roughed up a couple of times. You would figure those are the top three candidates to fill one of those spots if one of those guys goes down. All right, well, still plenty more to get to. We've got Trevor Bauer coming up a little bit later on. We reach now a different point of spring training after today's off day. We'll talk about what camp will look like moving forward. When we return, this is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Reds season ticket plans now start at just 13 games. The new 13-game membership gives you great seats for all Saturday home games, plus guaranteed opening day and postseason ticket options with the flexibility of the season ticket exchange program. If you can't make it Saturday, you can trade for another game. For additional information, visit reds.com slash membership. Joined as always by the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall and uh, talking Reds baseball as we really start to hit our stride here in, in, in spring training. We were talking earlier about how things have gone to this point. Now guys start to need to lock in a little bit more. Uh, we talked about it with David Bell yesterday on the pregame show, uh, an, an off day today. But when you look at it, after this off day, there's not a lot of time left to really get tuned up. So this is kind of that, that point in, in camp where you start to focus a little bit more on, on really getting yourself ready for the season. And what does that look like for guys? Yeah, I think when you, when you get here, you're, you're more focused on mechanics, maybe trying a, a different grip, working on certain things as a pitcher, and maybe trying a little bit of a, a different load or a different hand position as a hitter, just trying to see pitches, timing more than anything else. But at this point, um, really after the off day, you're talking about you got to get yourself ready. Uh, that, that's, and it's not a physical thing at this point. Um, the, physical, the physicality of spring training comes early, the first two weeks of camp. The last two weeks are more from the neck up. You've got to really start to put yourself 
try to put yourself in an opening day mode. And, and I think that's the most difficult part of trying to get yourself ready for spring training because there are some guys that really have had a great first two weeks. So they're thinking, well, I'm already there, and now I've got to hold it for two weeks. And then there are others that maybe missed a few ball games. Maybe if you're Nick Castellanos or Nick Senzel or, or maybe some of the both of the catchers really have not gotten that many at-bats. I, I think this is a point where you really have to start putting yourself in game mode like you would play during the regular season. How do you do that? Because looking at it from afar, I feel like the mental side of it comes from the adrenaline you get from those games meaning something now. So how do you just kind of flip a switch in your head and go, okay, I've got to get tuned up now. Uh, I've got to get there mentally. How do you do that while still being in playing spring training games that you know in your heart of hearts? Don't they, they don't matter. Yeah, I, I think you have to you really have to force the issue. And, and a lot of that is pregame preparedness. I think a lot of it is your maturity level as a player where you you force yourself to be in that spot where I've got to make this pitch here or I've got to make sure that I stay in this at bat. Try to try to put yourself in a mental spot where there's artificial pressure. And that's not a real easy thing to do. It, and you see it a lot um, with, say, closers that come in a ball game during the regular season, and it's 15 to 2. They got to get an inning of work in, and they give up five runs. And you think, oh, he's lost it. Next night, he strikes out all three, and it's a one run game. It's just the way you approach the game from a mental standpoint. That's why these last two weeks are so difficult because you have to force yourself into an artificial situation. David's going to start playing guys a little bit longer into games. We're going to see guys playing in more consecutive days. Does that take a physical toll as you get ready for opening day too, or is that just kind of part of this whole process to make sure your mind and body all together on the same page when the curtain opens? I, I think the physical part is, is more so... Uh, in the beginning of camp, when you first get here, you first put the spikes on, you're walking on concrete, you're walking on onto the field, you're running in the spikes. I think it uh, doesn't really matter how well they make them this day and age, they still have an effect on your body. Uh, but I think as you move along in these last couple of weeks, especially the last week of spring training, it's not really about the, the physicality as much as it is um, just from a mental standpoint. And, and Everybody does it different. Everybody tries to maybe relax up until a certain few days. And maybe this, la maybe the last 10 days are for some guys. Maybe it's the last two weeks. Maybe it's the last five days. But if you look at the starters right now, uh, they got three starts left. And then it's game on. So you want to make sure that yeah, I got three ball games. I want them to be good ones. Are there some things you're seeing from starters now over these last couple of starts for each guy that, that you're looking for and you want to see them make progress? I know we've seen Anthony DiSclefani. He's looked good so far this spring. Trevor Bauer looks as good as we've seen him at any point in a Reds uniform. He looks like he could go out and dominate right now uh, during the regular season. Uh, Luis Castillo has seemingly looked better every start. So what are you kind of looking for from guys? Are there things in particular individually that you'd like to see in these last few starts? I, I think I would like to see every starter have to, every pitcher really for that matter, have to pitch in a position of responsibility. And, and by that I'm saying I'd like to see them get themselves in trouble and have to get out of it. Like we saw Sonny Gray the other day. Got runners at second 30, end up striking out two guys to get out of the inning without a run. I think those are things that elevate your adrenaline and, and elevate, elevate really your, your forceful nature. And that's really hard to imitate in spring training. So you want to have guys, even if you have to bring a guy out of the bullpen with the bases loaded and, and let him pitch two-thirds of an inning. 
Uh, have him get hot in a hurry, bring him out, let him pitch, and see what happens. I, I just think that you create those artificial situations to make a guy's adrenaline rise. Bullpen seems like it's starting to take shape when we've seen some relievers in some of those situations as well. More to talk about on the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. When we come back, we'll sit down with Trevor Bauer. This is the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Been teasing it. Trevor Bauer joining the show today. It's a conversation that I had with him a few days ago and uh, certainly gives some insight to Trevor Bauer, the pitcher, and what his offseason looks like. Here's that conversation now between myself and Trevor Bauer. Trevor, uh, talk about your offseason. How, how important is that for you to get ready for a new season? Because I know your your routine's a little different than a lot of guys. Yeah, super important for me. Um, you know, we play for eight months out of the year. You have you know, spring training is two months, and you have the season of six months. And if you make the postseason, it's you know, potentially another month. So sometimes it's nine months. And um, during season, you, you can't really develop a whole lot. It's mostly about competing, you know, and, and developing and competing are two different two different things. You have to organize yourself two different ways. So the off season, I look at the three months I have off as three development months. I try not to take any time off because that's my only time to actually get better and to work on underlying skill sets and sharpen my skill sets. So that's super important to me. Um, I use it for a wide range of things, physical, like, uh, physical preparation like in the weight room and conditioning and stuff like that, um, skill acquisition, command, velocity, um, mechanics, a new pitch, whatever the case is. So it's super important. Is there a new pitch by chance that you're working to roll out this year? Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's still trying to figure out my changeup. I, I had it coming into spring training last year. Um, I didn't account for in the offseason. You know, I was throwing in a very dry uh, – environment and indoors uh, and when the humidity came on and you know my delivery changed a little bit doing you know with the ankle thing and the back thing that everything that happened last year and the humidity came it the, the pitch changed and it didn't have the same movement that I was anticipating the spin rate went back up on it the axis shifted in, the, in a negative direct a, a worse direction for me um, so you know those are things that I accounted for this offseason I tried to train under a bunch of different circumstances and throw from different arm angles and find something that was going to be a more robust solution more usable throughout the duration of a season so it's not a new pitch uh, but it's just trying to you know it's altering the grip a little bit and um, you know applying different principles to, to that pitch uh, so when you're talking about a certain pitch and maybe trying to find the right arm angle that works for that are you concerned at all with the arm angle maybe giving away what you're throwing in that situation or is that not a big concern and the movement's more important no i mean if you paid attention to me in the last couple of days i'm not too concerned about telling hitters what's coming so um yeah and no, i don't i don't mind that i i think we're really you know the natural inclination would be to say oh if your arm angle isn't exactly the same on every pitch the hitter's gonna be able to pick it up but you know the, the arm you know the, the throwing of a baseball is the the most dynamic movement all of, in, in all of sports the, the arm is moving the fastest of any movement in sports i don't know the human eye can pick that up i don't think we have enough studies done on on hit um yeah hitter vision uh and and what they can and can't see and what you can action what can you what you can turn into actionable decisions um what what, what information you can make actionable so uh, I'm not too worried about it. You know, if my if my you know release point is six inches off on one pitch or the other or whatnot, um, as long as there's no blatant uh, tells early in the delivery, like you know I set my glove high on one or low on the other, like as long as I'm not doing that. Once the delivery gets going, I think the hitters have to kind of focus their attention on the general release point anyway, and that doesn't really matter. That's my personal thought. 
Last year, you, you came over from the Indians. You had a couple of great outings. Overall, I know you weren't happy with how things went. What were some things that you kind of figured out in your game to, to bring into this year to kind of correct yourself? Uh, there's a lot of things going on last year when I came over. You know, I had been hurt. Uh, I had my ankle that manifested itself for you know two months on the ankle side and then changed my delivery, which ended up affecting my, my hips and my low back and, and stuff like that. So I wasn't able mechanically to, to pitch the way I needed to. My velocity dropped, which it normally doesn't. Uh, my ability to command the ball was, was severely impacted. Um, so I missed over the plate a lot. I'd gotten a lot of bad counts. I was also uh, one of the most unlucky, probably the most unlucky pitcher for a month and a half. Um, I think starting uh, middle of uh, July and running through the end of August, I think the, the numbers support that I was, you know, BABIP-wise. And if you just look at, like, the sequence of how things happen. So some of the stuff was controllable in the sense that, like, you know, I wasn't executing the way I needed to. Uh, other other stuff was, like, just pure luck, you know, bad sequencing and stuff. I'd give up five hits in a game, but they'd all come in a row and it'd be five runs type of thing. Um, so th- there's things that I'm working on. I wanted to throw harder this year. Um, I wanted to obviously be healthy. That was the first thing, and that that's taken care of. I wanted to throw harder this year. Um, I wanted to throw my breaking stuff a little bit harder as well. Um, I wanted to have a better changeup so that when I used that, it was a more swing and miss pitch. It was a more effective pitch for me. I wanted to work on my command so I can get the ball to locations more often. I think I got a lot of good work done on that in the off season. Um, I got sick all of January pretty much. I pretty, pretty much missed a whole month of training, so I wasn't really sure where I was coming into camp. But, uh, you know, through five innings now, it's been um, super encouraging. You know, I, I don't have a walk yet. Um, my velocity, I sat 96-98 or 96-97, uh, I think. I haven't seen the exact numbers yet, but in my second outing, which is uh, by far the hardest I've thrown since 2014, so it seems like I'm in a, in a really good spot with the, the physical work that I put in and the, the ability to command the ball. The changeup has been good, but it was good in spring training last year too, so it'll take a little while to see how that plays as the season comes along. But um, trending in a, in a very good direction right now. You talk about the fastball. The breaking ball seems like it's in a pretty good spot for you too. I mean, the, the, the couple outings you've had so far this spring, even the one where you told the hitter what was coming on every pitch, I mean, it, it just looks like everything's really crisp for, for you right now. Yeah, um, it's definitely crisp. The movements are what I want. The, the velocities are what I want. Uh, my, my command of them have been a little bit shaky uh, to be expected you know, this early in spring. So I do want to see a little bit of uh, improvement on that uh, moving forward, just getting the balls to you know, proper locations, um, generally speaking, more often than I am right now. But my ability to throw strikes is, is good. Uh, that's the first step. And then throwing quality strikes comes after that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm, uh, like I said, trending in a good direction. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the, the telling the hitter what pitches were coming. Was was that just? Is it more silent protest, more just out there having fun because it's spring training? What take us through that? Yeah, yeah, it was a kind of a there's, there's a backstory to it that I can't share publicly, but uh, yeah, just just having fun. You know, just um, I think there's a lot of very interesting things that can happen there psychologically and, and competitively with that you know pitcher on hitter interaction and, and mindsets and trying to take someone out of perhaps being in the zone you know when you look at performance mindset it's you know the best place to be is in a completely subconscious uh state where you're narrowly narrow and externally focused uh, picking up just the release point or focusing on exactly the angle you want to hit the hit the ball at as soon as the pitcher does something different it takes you out of that that zone per se and then you start you have a conscious thought of like what the heck was that and that that shifts the advantage dramatically in, in the pitcher's favor so obviously you can swing too far where the hitter may know what's coming and they don't if it doesn't have that psychological effect then um you know you could potentially put yourself at risk of being uh, less effective but um yeah i think that it's just it's spring training you work on a lot of things you test a lot of things out
You're a very cerebral guy. It, it, you've spent so much of your life focusing on becoming a Major League Baseball player. Did you ever give any thought to what you would do if you didn't play baseball? Yeah, I'd be an engineer building a robot somewhere. All right. Trevor, thanks for the time. Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Great stuff, as always, from Trevor Bauer. The Holy Grail Banks and Budweiser are proud sponsors of the Reds Hot Stove League. Grab your buds for the next live show at the Holy Grail Banks coming up on March 25th with specials on Bud and Bud Light Buckets. The Holy Grail Banks, Cincinnati's home for sports. And we continue here on the Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Welcome back into the Hot Stove League, sponsored by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Wrapping up the show now with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall. Thanks so much for joining us on this Wednesday. Of course, the Reds are off today, but uh, back at it again tomorrow. And then uh, it is full bore until opening day coming up on the 26th. A lot of good things from camp, and, and I know the enthusiasm is certainly there for this team. It, it's an exciting time. Uh, we've talked a lot about that in in spring training this year, but uh, when you get down to it, you've still got to be ready. And we were just we were talking before uh, we heard from Trevor Bauer about getting ready. Does the fact that the the season's coming and the the you can kind of see light at the end of the tunnel. I've got to feel like that that lifts you up a little bit, doesn't it? It, it does. I, I think when you first get to camp, you're you're just trying to kind of fit in, especially new players in a, on a ball club. But the expectation of winning is one of the greatest assets that you can have in spring training because there's a there's a, a micro focus, if you will. Everybody's looking towards that last little uh, couple of ball games in spring training, knowing that day one is your critical point. And especially because this club has gotten off to rough starts. And, and I think it's important that this club get off to a good start in the month of April. And the only way that you can do that is be ready to play when the Cardinals come to town on opening day. <laughs> That's it. Are there some things this week that you're kind of looking forward to? I am. I, I just I, I like to watch our starters getting deeper into ball games. Uh, the bullpen, I think, will take care of itself. All of those guys have looked awfully good. But I, I think getting starters deeper into ball games, knowing that they have the confidence to get six or se six innings in, you're not going to see guys probably go any further than that early in the season. And I, to be honest with you, Tommy, I, I still think there are some open spots on this club from, a, from an infield perspective. As far as guys that make this club uh, as a utility player or maybe a, a last outfielder. I think those spots are still up for grabs. Yeah, the depth is certainly something that I think this team kind of has going for it right now because uh, whoever makes this team, there's still going to be some options even in AAA for, the, for this group. Competition in spring training is the best-case scenario. If you know you have it made coming into camp, that makes it difficult. Yeah, I, there's no question. Well, that's all the time we have for the Reds Hot Stove League. We've got... What, one more show out here, and then the last one will be at the Holy Grail Banks. Look forward to that one. Of course, that one's coming up on March 25th. For the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, our producer-engineer, Dave Yiddy Armbruster, this is Tommy Thrall. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week on the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.